and welcome to another episode of Office Hours, where we teach you what they don't teach you in the classrooms about creating one-to-one personal experiences for your prospects and customers. Today's guest has one of my favorite job titles ever, and I think that the, the way that this person is thinking about the evolution of the, the role of marketing and the function of marketing is just like next level. So I'm so excited to have Jenna with me today, who is the director of Pipeline. Uh, Jenna, how's it going? It's going well, MK, I can't complain. It's uh, Friday, so I'm happy, and the weather's looking good in St. Louis, so I think we'll spend a lot of time outside. I'm so jealous of some nice weather. It's a little rainy today. The weather has finally broken here at the time of this recording in Boston. We are getting ourselves out of winter phase and into springtime phase, which for me does a lot for my mental health. How about for you? Oh, yeah. I definitely have seasonal disorder. <laughs> as soon as the sun comes out, I feel 100 times better. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to spring. I love it. And what I also love about spring is that for many of us whose five to nines require us being outdoors, you get to be outdoors in your natural habitat again. Um, so for you, yeah. we often I, I did lead with your nine to five. I love your job title. It's so cool. I can't wait to dive into it. But before we talk about your persona-based details, I want to know more about you as a person. What do you like to get up to when you hang up your marketing hat at the end of the day? Yeah, absolutely. I have two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so uh, they're definitely taking out side of my time nine to five, and we love to be outside. So as soon as the weather gets good, we're out riding bikes, we're out going on walks. We actually have a creek in our neighborhood, so we're out back there exploring. Um, and we love to just try different restaurants in St. Louis. So we're lucky restaurants are open here. Um, so we get to just try all the new spots and really support local restaurants that have obviously been suffering for quite a while now. So we love food and we love being outside. So, so fun. We love food in this household as well, too. So next time we take a trip out to St. Louis, we'll have to do some menu swapping, especially when you come here to Boston yeah. as well. For you sure. Know, you mentioned, obviously, uh, you know, the, the restaurant business really struggled last year. We're coming out of the tail end of, you know, quarantine with COVID-19. But a big industry that was impacted last year was telecoms. And the team at Ring Central had a really big year to help people navigate some really difficult times. I first want to check in. How are you doing now that we're getting a little bit closer to the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, good. I mean... Yeah, great business to be in, obviously, with everyone going virtual, working from anywhere. So it's been a crazy year, but super fun, growing uh, insanely, hiring like crazy, um, adopting a lot of new customers. But most of all, for me, really making an impact in people's lives, honestly, and being able to help. Uh, we provided our services for free for education sector and healthcare and nonprofit. So we were able to support those that, you know, were used to always being in the office and going remotely was new to them. So we made that easier, that transition a lot easier for them. And we're able to help people and uh, make sure people could stay connected during these tough times. So it's been a great year. And uh, yeah, a lot more to come, but, but so far, so good. I mean, one of our core values here at Alice is to give first and give consistently. And one of the ways that you gave back to the communities uh, that were so deeply impacted by um, by COVID-19 and by quarantine was that that campaign that you had run, like giving people the free access to it, which 
it, it seems like such a, a easy win, but so many folks forget about the humans after it all. And, and so I'd love to learn more about either that campaign or any of the other work that you've been doing. Because as a pipeline marketer, your job is to try to figure out ways in which to drive better efficiency throughout your funnel. But you're not going to do that with by sacrificing the quality of experience for the folks that you do business with. So I'd love to learn more. Actually, let's start off with just the job title itself, because I know I'm obsessed with yeah. it. It's the coolest thing. Like, tell me more about what a pipeline marketer does. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great, um, I think, evolution, especially for field marketers. Um, it's really taken field marketing up to another level of looking at uh, cross-functional marketing roles. So as a pipeline marketer, my role is to make sure that my teams are set up with the pipeline that they need to be successful. And I don't care where the pipeline comes from. So that could be from the digital team. It could be from the ABM team. It could be from our field events team. Um, I work with all of those teams to maximize the pipeline for the territory that I cover. So I cover our enterprise segment, and my role is to make sure that I'm looking six months out at our pipeline to make sure that I know, okay, six months from now, we might have a pipe gap. So what can we do now to start building that pipeline up so that when we get to that point in time, we're not like, oh my gosh, we have an empty funnel. What do we do? So making sure that funnel is consistently building and looking at really where we're getting the ROI from in the different territories that we cover because it does vary by territory and uh, making sure that, you know, all the teams are coming together to help drive pipelines. So it's mm -hmm. a fun role because I get to work with everybody in marketing and get to work hand in hand with the sales team to really put that strategy together to make sure that we don't fall short on pipeline. And if we do, we have a plan ready to go. So the, you're like blowing my mind with all these things. But the, the one thing that I really love is that you are um, source and channel agnostic. And I think that, that that approach to thinking about how you're going to drive demand, I think gives a much better, more elevated experience for the customer journey. I'd love to learn from you how you think about the customer journey, especially if you are going to be source agnostic and be thinking more holistically about the pipeline that you need to generate. Yes, as we know in marketing, I mean, there's no single customer journey that works for everybody, right? Just like how everyone likes to learn differently. Some people are, you know, visual, some people like textbooks, you know, it's different for everybody. So we want to make sure that we're hitting customers the way that they want to receive information or they want to be communicated to. And really what we've noticed is you have to hit people from all vehicles, especially with COVID-19. Most marketers switched to the same tactics, right? And we were more limited in the number of tactics we had because we were always so used to being in person. So we had to be more creative. We had to be a lot more personal. And we had to make sure that we were reaching people one-to-one -one because the you know, one-to-many method wasn't working because people didn't want to receive that. They were, they were receiving too much of that. So they needed that one-to-one -one in order to stand apart from the other. So in my opinion, the customer journey is whatever the customer wants. There's no one-size-fits-all solution. Snaps and, to that. Uh, <laughs> And that's why, you know, we have a lot of AI in place to help us figure out, you know, what's working for that specific group. And of course, you know, then we take the themes that we see and group those people in those themes and make sure that we're maximizing those tactics that seem to be working for the different types of people in our customer journey. So 
that's a that's how we look at it. So, uh, and I love that approach as well too, because you're not constrained by any of your predecessors in this space, right? Like field marketers tend to solve the same problems in the way that other their their field marketer predecessors have solved those problems, and so. The fact that you don't have any rules and you're actually giving yourself permission to try to find new and creative solutions, I think that is the key to elevating that customer experience. And I don't need to get on my soapbox. Most folks who've watched the show for a while know that I think customer marketing and understanding how to think more as a marketer about the entire customer lifecycle and the entire customer experience is actually the next generation of marketing but you're already there. You're already thinking about that customer experience. I'd love to learn some of the ways in which you've actually addressed these like friction points or tension points in that customer journey and how you've gone about creatively mm -hmm. solving the friction so you can reduce it and get that person, you know, a little bit faster through your pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest gaps that we saw in our marketing team was that there was really no marketing team that was focusing on deal acceleration. Everyone was so focused on kind of the beginning of the funnel, brand awareness, getting the pipeline in our funnel. Uh, so my team, what we did is we came up with a lot of new tactics to once someone became an opportunity and they were either stage one or stage three, wherever they were at in their journey, that we made sure that they weren't just in our funnel and then we left them, you know, just with the sales team. Yep. So we developed a lot of campaigns that were specific to deal acceleration. So some examples of that because I, I always like to give out specific tactics because I think that's really helpful for people. So um, one is custom landing pages. So if we were going after a single account, and this is definitely more on the one-to-one, -one, although it can be scalable, is creating a personalized site, you know, co-branded with that company's logo, whatever channel partner you might be leveraging or technology integration partner, also part of the mix, and creating through RingCentral a video to them to meet the team because they're not meeting in person. So getting everybody that's part of the team, the engineer, the customer success manager um, on there so that they could really meet them. And then it was a central location to put all of the documents and content that they would be using together, plus some case studies for that industry. So that worked really well um, as soon as people were in our sales cycle, really keeping them engaged and feeling like they had love and extra support from Ring Central because we went the extra mile to create that for them, um, the feedback was awesome. And then as part of that, you know, we definitely offered a lot of experiences. I know a lot of tech companies adapted that same methodology, but we tried to come up with like some really cool ones that we ourselves would like to attend. Like for example, we're doing a dog event coming up. We know that with COVID-19, a lot of people adopted dogs. So um, we're having a dog trainer come in. And one of the most annoying things when you're on a meeting virtually, right, is a dog barking in the background. So we're going to talk a lot about that, how to uh, mitigate that if your dog's barking and you're in an important, important meeting or maybe you're presenting um, and a lot of other tips and tricks. For the record, <laughs> I love when a dog interrupts or a kid or a cat interrupts a meeting. I, I live agree. for that. It's like the highlight of my day. <laughs> but I do understand if you're yes. in a board presentation, maybe you don't want your yes. dog marketing in the background. <laughs> Yeah, makes it a lot more fun, right? <laughs> a lot more interesting. So, so yeah, just cool experiences like that, um, you know, that were really related to the trends that are ongoing right now. Um, we did one about decorating your home office. A lot of people didn't have a home office. They had to create their own 
you know, space, whatever that was, whether it was like sitting on, I saw a picture of someone that was sitting on a bunch of suitcases for their chair <laughs> in their office. So um, we had HGTV come in and give us some tips and tricks about, you know, how to decorate and gave out some fun stuff. Um, in addition to that, you know, for deal acceleration, we were sending a lot of people um, meal kits. So working with companies like Omaha Steak, for example, um, to send people meals because a lot of people weren't eating out because maybe restaurants were closed. So people were cooking at home a lot more. And people loved the convenience of just receiving the ingredients in the mail, having instructions how to cook it. Things like that were really super well received. Um, we also moved, you know, a lot of our in-person programs to virtual, like an, ex an executive briefing center. So normally you would come to our headquarters. Um, obviously, we switched that to virtual, but we wanted to make the experience feel similar um, so that they did feel one-to-one. -one. So our executives, you know, really um, participated in a lot of these, reaching out to the executives ahead of time, you know, finding out. I think really connection has been so important with everyone being virtual. And like you said, learning what people are interested in outside of their five to nine is usually what helps you um, connect with people. So using that kind of intent data behavioral information about people to kind of understand what they like and dislike and personalizing those experiences based on that. So for so teams who want to learn how to be more thoughtful, be more intentional, be more authentic, and understand how to create meaningful experiences for their audiences, how can they learn from you about going through the process of thinking about others and thinking about that experience? Yeah. How does your team go about that process? Yeah, we like to get like our creative juices flowing from what our team actually likes. So we come together and do a lot of brainstorming sessions and we're like, hey, you know, what kind of experience would you want to attend? Okay, for example, and you're like, hey, I would love to do, you know, virtual guitar lessons or something like that, yeah. uh, whatever it is. And we kind of build off that and we're like, you know what? We do feel like our audience would like that. Um, and then we pull our sales team too. We pull our employees and we say, hey, if we did this you know, gingerbread house making event, do you think your family would go? Um, one of the most common pieces of feedback we got was that people wanted to be able to invite their family to whatever the experience was. Since a lot of people were home with kids that they weren't normally home with, you know, everyone's in the household together. So what could we do to bring those people together? In addition to that, a lot of people wanted things that could bring their team together. So offering team bonding experiences. And this is tough for marketers, right? Because we get less ROI if we invite more people from the same account to an event. Right. Uh, but we realized that that was what people wanted. Like they wanted to come together. And, and the, re the way that we got to that was that we saw that our own team would want that. We would want more opportunities to get together. Mm -hmm. So we started offering Ring Central sponsored team building activities whether it was, you know, a wine tasting or, you know, something fun like that, just to get the team together feeling like, you know, people, some people started in, you know, new organizations during this time and hadn't ever met some of their employees in person. So um, doing some of these team bonding events worked really, really well and people were loving it. So I'd say to get our creative uses flowing, we start kind of with, from within of what we would want to do ourselves. And then we kind of pull our teams to say, hey, here's kind of what we're thinking, like, we want to see, do you think our audience, you know, this would resonate with them? And then obviously, we do our own testing, once we figure out kind of what route we want to go and say, okay, let's put this out there. And let's see how many people take us up on it. And, you know, I, I'd say we were 
pretty spot on with a lot of things that, you know, we thought people would like. So that works really well. And then, you know, pulling from trends too has helped as well, just seeing what people were interested in and how they've adapted over quarantine. I love the fact that you didn't let yourself be constrained by what was possible. You thought limitlessly at first and then used those ideas to reverse engineer how you were going to execute. And I think a lot of marketers start with the execution and what they're knowing and then work backwards into what's possible. So um, yeah. we use, it sounds like we go through a very similar exercise with both of our teams here at Alice. We, we call it inspo sesh, um, but we sit down and we brainstorm like what's possible, like forget what's, what's possible through our, our infrastructure today. What's possible for the experience to get people really excited? And then we'll figure out the operational side of things. It sounds like we're actually about to start a clubhouse called Inspo Sesh, so other people can learn how right. to brainstorm as a marketing team. So it sounds like we should probably bring you and the Ringsicle team into that conversation. At some I point. am down. Yes, we love it. I mean, that's like the part of our job that gets us fired up when we get to use our creative juices. So yeah, love that. You know, you used a word too. I, I wrote it down. So you used ROI uh, when you were explaining how if you invite multiple people from the same account, it's like you don't have the the great unit unit economics on that campaign, but I also really like the fact that you didn't let that limit you. You didn't let that be a constraint in your problem solving technique. And that has actually probably now actually overcompensated in the return on the initial investment because of your creating these, these experiences. Can you tell us a little bit more about the return that you've seen on some of these like really big picture thinking investments? Yes, and I totally agree with you. I've seen a lot of marketing teams limit themselves when they just base their decisions on previous history return on investment. Yep. Uh, we knew that with the transformation that everyone was going through, we kind of had to throw out like our previous data out the door because, you know, we were in a whole new world, a whole new situation. And so we knew that, you know, let's just say obviously meeting virtual, even especially for executive, I would say executive level has been the hardest um, for any marketing team during this time. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, meeting someone at, let's just say an Avanta event in person, versus moving to virtual was not going to have the same ROI. And we kind of, you know, knew that ahead of time. And we didn't let the ROI limit us because we knew that if we didn't take risks and try new things that we could potentially fail at, like you said, the ROI wouldn't be the 10x, you know, that we're looking for. And a lot of times, like, you have to take risks to get that crazy amount that you're looking for. And we had to be more creative and come up with new ideas and try new things to try to make up for you know, the ROI that we were missing from not doing in person. So um, I think that the team was definitely open to that. Luckily, we have a culture of like, you know, fail fast and, you know, try new things and let's all think outside of the box. And, you know, we knew that if it wasn't successful, we would change gears. So it wasn't like we were going to invest a crazy amount of money and then, you know, find out that none of it paid off. We would just do it in small amounts and then see like, okay, this is working. Let's keep replicating that or, no, that didn't quite work. You know, we tried it. For example, we tried this golf event where you uh, did a, a video of your golf swing and no one really took us up on it. So we were like, okay. Um, and it was during the work day. So we realized, okay, people actually want to do that kind of stuff outside of the work time, you know, kind of figuring out what's working for people. So yeah, we definitely, um, you know, didn't base our decisions off our way. We just kind of based them off of what we would want to do and then you know through that test it out to see that make sure that we were getting the return on investment and just realizing that it could take a lot longer for us to see the ROI than what we were normally used to doing in person. 
Yeah, I think that, that that is such a really astute point as well, too, is that ROI is, doesn't necessarily have to be calculated right out of the kit. You don't have to look at a campaign, look at the data, and then sunset that campaign forever in your mind. There is a long tail effect to be creating experiences that are more immersive. And none of the experiences that you uh, describe sounded like it was you pitching Ring Central directly, right? It wasn't like it was like a demo off yeah. or like a product box. Or yeah. These are actual just experiences you're creating for folks so that they can learn more about what type of a brand Ring Central is first. And then once they found that pop partnership, once they found all the authenticity from what you were doing, that is actually what gave them interest and intent to explore more about your offerings. You're totally spot on. Yeah, we kind of um, founded everything on building relationships, earning trust. Um, you know, getting people involved. And then you're right, the content and all that came later if there was value for, for customers. So totally. I love that. And I love that you use that keyword trust. We call it like the triple T, so the time to trust. And the time to trust no longer means like, you know, automating emails through your BDR team, no matter automating emails, traffic content downloads, you know, from your website. Like trust happens when you're more authentic and you're more relatable and you have shared mutual experiences with the folks you want to do business with. Exactly. Yeah. Couldn't agree more with that. So cool. Well, so this, this idea of being that like source agnostic in this, this pipeline role where you're focused on driving maximum efficiency out of the pipeline, there had been an inflection point in your organization where you realized that this was a needed role and function for your organization. So if an org is evaluating, do I have the right roles? Do I have the right people? Do I have the right structure and how I'm driving demand, building pipeline and leads for my team? How, how, what might be the right time for them to assess if they do need a director of pipeline? Yeah, I think some questions organizations can ask themselves is, you know, is there a specific group or people that are looking at the whole picture? Um, not just their expertise area, right? So not just looking at the digital arm or not just looking at the channel marketing arm, someone that's looking at everything as a whole. And then is there a role in your organization that's paying attention to the numbers <laughs> while also being able to execute? So a lot of times yeah. we find you know, sales operations or a marketing operations person that is paying attention to the numbers, but they don't have any expertise on the marketing campaigns or the marketing tactics. So it's really a hybrid role of like operations and being able to, to develop marketing campaigns and look at different marketing teams and understand what they do. And um, so if you're finding that you don't really have anyone that's looking at all the teams together, looking at all the numbers, but also knowing the different marketing areas, um, then you probably need a pipeline team um, because it will help you bring all the teams together look at everything holistically, look at the sales numbers, look at where there's gaps, and then figure out which teams and which arms you can pull to fill those gaps. So, you know, if you answered no to both those questions, I would say definitely start investigating a pipeline team. You can always start small. You can always hire, you know, one resource and have them pilot it with a specific sales territory and see how it goes. Um, I can promise you the sales feedback is going to be like amazing because it's really serving as their single point of contact into marketing. They don't need to know who the PR person is, who the digital person is. And also the benefit is that as a pipeline marketer, I can explain to that salesperson, kind of like we were talking about the customer journey, the entire customer journey that's going to their account. Um, I'm not focused on one area. So I know the whole picture 
and I can explain it to them. And that's what sales wants. They don't want to just hear what the social team is doing or just hear what the events team is doing. They want to hear what the customer journey looks like for their accounts. Um, so I think if you're in that stage, you know, definitely explore piloting it with one person, having them focus on a sales territory and see what the sales territory feedback is. See if the pipeline increases by having that focus and then you can expand from there. See, so I want to end on this question. It's, a, it's kind of a big question, too. So uh, you've yeah. learned so much about starting with the experienced person working backwards. And you've thought about new ways to engage and interact and, and be able to spend time with your audiences. What's next for the space of experience-based marketing for pipeline yeah. marketers like yourself? We think it's going to be, um, you know, a hybrid of working from anywhere, people working in the office, some people working at home for almost every company. So many people adopted to, you know, virtual that a lot of people don't want to go back. So some people do want to go back and they miss it. Some people like this, you know, no travel kind of, you know, no going into the office kind of a thing. So I think the next evolution is definitely the hybrid of the two, having people in the office and at home and figuring out kind of like what I was saying earlier, how people want to communicate and how they want to, you know, live day to day. Um, and then figuring out how your technology plugs in and figure out how you can reach them through your marketing. So I think the next evolution is definitely that hybrid approach and, um, you know, making sure that we're reaching people both in person and virtually, however they choose to receive it and being flexible too, and knowing that things are ever changing. So um, I think the pipeline role is great for that because we are, you know, adaptable quickly. We can change, you know, very quickly if we see that things are um, trends are changing or anything like that. So definitely that hybrid, I think, is the future. Yeah, I agree. I'm so hopeful that the pendulum doesn't swing too much. We don't over-index and gorge ourselves at in-person experiences. And then we keep ourselves yeah. balanced and regulated. Like, what was all of this hardship for if we didn't try to figure out how to crack that hybrid net? Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. Fantastic. Well, Jenna, if people want to come learn more from you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Best best way I would say find me on LinkedIn, Jenna Quigley. Uh, message me. I'm always on there. Happy to discuss marketing, happy to discuss restaurants, St. Louis, parenting, being a working mom, you name it. Um, so feel free to reach out anytime. Phenomenal. And if they want to come learn a little bit more about Ring Central, how can they how can they learn more? Yeah, check out ringcentral.com. We have a free solution for you. So if you're, you know, wanting to just do like a virtual birthday party, if you're wanting to talk to your grandparents, um, whatever it might be, check out our free solution called Glyph. And it includes, I think the biggest differentiator, it includes messaging and phone. So they all connect together. Um, you can, you know, message each other. You can talk with the phone. And I think that collaboration is really beneficial for people right now and both in the workplace and in personal life. So check it out. I couldn't agree more. Jenna, thank you so much for spending some time teaching us all about pipeline marketing and also how to deliver those one-to-one -one experiences for your prospects and customers. Stay tuned for an invite to join us on uh, Clubhouse where we'll have an inspo session. Be thinking of like the, the next wave of experiences. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm already on Clubhouse. So send, send me an invite, MK, and it was super fun chatting with you today. Love it. Thanks so much, Jenna. We'll talk soon. Bye, MK. Okay.